0: Everybody, and welcome to Radical Awakening. <laughs> My name is Wanda Quesada. I, actually, I'm known by quite a few names Wanda Quesada, Dr. Quesada, Dr. Q, Mommy, and Honey. <laughs> I am a professional licensed counselor in the state of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and soon California. I Love mental health and wellness. It's my favorite topic. I am an advocate for women and women empowerment. I love my background, which is that of a kick-ass woman of color. (laughs) And I come here today to talk about whatever it is I do know
1: and even what I don't know. (laughs) My name is Michelle Bunting. I consider myself a vibrational healer. I've built a practice that includes the ability to transform ourselves through sound healing sessions and events, through vibrational coaching, through spiritual mentorship, and I've pretty much designed a practice that really allows people to come where they are and be able to interact on the level that they are with their journeys, which I really love. I'm so blessed to know these two ladies. I have a ton of fun with them and I'm really looking forward to getting this party started. I think we're going to have a lot of fun together and at the same time be able to share really, really transformative information, not just to women, but to, I feel like, people everywhere. So thank you.
2: Hi, I'm Zenobia Briggs and I am a master's level counselor. I um, love talking about spiritual ideas and, and counseling and mental health ideas. And I loved it when uh, we came together and decided to do this podcast, because I felt like this is something that's really needed. And it's an area where we all have a lot of diverse ideas that kind of come together. And I felt like it'd be a great place to share that with you. I like working with women um and i like talking about relational issues transgenerational trauma which are issues of people of color and also the majority culture uh that have been passed down through generations and how it affects us now there's so much to delve into and i can't wait to get started i'll turn it back over to wanda all right ladies so we chose to title our
0: podcast radical awakening would like to talk about their perspective or their perception of what that is.
2: So it was me that actually wanted to do a podcast, and I wanted to invite these two ladies because we did a woman's circle. I forgot that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we did a women's circle together. So you're the reason for us being here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we did a women's circle together, and it, the energy was it was palpable. It was. So um <clears throat> bright and so infectious and we would leave that women's circle and I know I would leave the women's circle and I as like just on fire for the yes, weekend. I remember that. And so I thought like what other way could we offer this to the world? And so here we are. I think what Michelle hosted the women's circle. I was a um of co-facilitator, mm-hmm. and um, I added like the mental health component to it, but Michelle yes. really talked about the um, vibrational healing component. To me, radical awakening is the idea that m- my mental health and my vibrate, my body, my my spiritual health can work together in tandem to help me to create the life that I want. But first. The healing part happens, and that is the understanding that I own my experiences, that I own what has happened to me for the most part, Michelle would say, for everything. And as I do more and more of that, I see my life change in the direction that I deliberately cause it to go in. What do you think, Wanda?
0: I think radical awakening for me is this process where you let go of what you've been taught about who you are what you are what your purpose is Mm. I think Radical Awakening really allows you to see yourself in the way that you are meant to be raw untouched because we live in a world that tells you a lot of things about who you're supposed to be or what Mm. you're supposed to achieve and where you're supposed to end uh, at certain phases of your life so I think that I have been on this long journey and you know, coming to that women's circle was more of what allowed me to solidify that what I already knew, which is that I can just be myself without that worry that I will not either be worthy or useful or purposeful and that everything is meant to be the way that I have lived it because... I can just write my own story all the time, and I can rewrite it again and again and again. It could look however I want it to look. That radical awakening is just that eye-opening moment where you say, oh, everything's cool, I'm good. I can achieve anything I want, I can do anything I want, I can plan for whatever I want, and, and it's okay. It's okay. I think I also came to a point where I was like, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that was freeing.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's also <a> radical awakening. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I have to agree with the the both of you that radical awakening really does incorporate both of those elements. And, and the only thing that I would really add on to those really beautiful sentiments is that uh, included in that, that radical awakening Is also the acknowledgement of those areas of the self that maybe have been denied, Mm -hmm. have been ignored, or perhaps even avoided for a plethora of reasons. And, you know, the understanding that as healers, and when I use the word healers, I'm speaking about anyone in the world who is placing their gifts, their services, their products in service to others mm-hmm. for the benefit of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I'm, I'm going to use the word healers. And so I consider professionals in the mental health arena and in that industry healers who are purposefully and deliberately moving out into the population and saying, yes, raising your hand and saying, I am going to bring everything I am and everything I know all of me into a space that's dedicated to only helping you. So for me, and I think for, for all of us really on our earth at this time is the ability and the courage and the bravery, maybe to look at generational issues that have been handed down, maybe beliefs about ourselves that are preventing us from stepping into our most powerful versions of ourselves and then really connecting and having the ability for us to come together to say it's safe for me and you to be vulnerable in this space and talk about things that are difficult um, and that most people shy away from. And one of the reasons I, you know, that I, I love doing this together with the both of you is because neither of you are afraid you know, to talk about things that other people might find, you know, very uncomfortable. And I think this is just a great form where people can kind of, you know, kind of tune into our conversations, you know, and without the pressure of being looked at or having to say anything and then have that ability to take what resonates with them and maybe not, you know, and put down maybe what doesn't and have that, Freedom. So I I feel like, you know, what we're going to really do here is to come together. And whenever more than one person comes together, you've exponentially, you know, magnified that intention throughout the universe, you know, to place our hearts in service in this way. But for me, it's 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 a radical awakening is discovering how much courage we each of us had inside of us. And then how we're going to use that to become, yeah, to me, that's that. But that's what that means in a nutshell. Of course, there's all little nuances, but I think between the three of us, we've covered it pretty well.
0: <laughs> Don't you wish we could discover that in our 20s?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, you
1: know, where would, where would I be? You you would be a monster. You would own the world <laughs> <what we're laughs> by now. You, but in uh, a healthy good way, you. in a healthy good way. Yeah, That's I know. It all, right, because hindsight is always yeah. Twenty twenty. I think about that. You know, I look at my children now who are mm-hmm. who are in their twenties and you know and also thirty and saying, man, if I if I knew this, you know how how much, what level of freedom would I be operating at? You know, one of the things yeah. I love that you said, Juan, <clears throat> was you know, coming to that cognitive moment when you made a decision really not to care what other people thought about you. Yeah. And how, you know, how freeing that felt and everything is energy and freedom feels a certain way and that you connected with that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of my goals in this podcast to hopefully for all of us to share information that will allow other people to feel that same freedom that you felt. I hope so. Yeah. That'd be wonderful.
2: I often think about that. Why does it take until our later years to discover mm-hmm. these truths? They've been here all the while. Mm-hmm. I think until recently, though, um, very few of us knew how to um, how to access the truths. You know, they like they've been there. But like, I don't think that the older women in our lives, most of them were really talking to us about. You know, this idea of creating your life and thinking about, you know, how you want your life to be and considering, like, what am I doing to create what I'm seeing right now? And what do I need to do different to create yeah. something different? What are the stories I'm telling myself? I don't mm-hmm. think all the conversations that were ever had, there has been a significant shift in our um, consciousness over the last, I'd say, 10 years. How fortunate for our children that are in, our tw- in their 20s or in their teenage years now. I definitely didn't have anybody to teach me any of that growing up.
0: None of the women that I was surrounded by, from my mother to aunts to, you know, just family, friends and things. No one I don't think ever had conversations with me about that part of understanding who I was. And like I said earlier, we live in a society that tells you pretty much who you're supposed to be. Mm. And if you don't fit in that pretty little box, you got problems.
1: Mm. Yeah. A lot a lot of social problems as well. Yes. Identification right. problems as well. And I think it's because our parents and caregivers really were born in a different time mm-hmm. where, you know, societal, cultural, you know, thoughts really conveyed, you know, that if you conform to our system, if you change who you are and fit this box, then you're going to receive approval. And I think that's really where conditional validation outside a sense of worth from, and do deference to them and I love what Maya Angelou always says you do better when you know better mm. right so I think that you know all of us can say that you know
2: they probably did the best they could with what they knew yeah some of us get really angry when they when we hear Um, they did the best they can with what they knew because sometimes it doesn't feel like that, especially in certain cultures. And so I think that I'm really happy that we're going to talk about trans, cultural, transgenerational traumas Mm -hmm. because... It has a lot to do with with what our parents really were capable of passing on to us. And also, like, if you've noticed that there's been like a shift in our communities to doing more natural things and and focusing on spiritual, the more spiritual rather than the more Western way of being. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of like taking us back to where we came from. We were taught, you know, a lot of us were taught that those ideas were barbaric yes. you know you did those things do age wrong with you <laughs> yes and yeah, now are kind of going back to that there was wisdom and all of that that we yeah. were deprived of in some ways and so yeah. i can't wait to have that discussion i think that I think mm-hmm. that, that was going to be next next time i think i think so mm-hmm. since
1: we are gonna eventually have that discussion about cross-cultural issues can we all just talk about what our cultures are so that yeah. you know, our audience doesn't have to assume. Wanda, do you want to go first? Sure. Since I keep getting volunteered first for
2: everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's because you're the first lady. Oh. Right. Oh. I will take it. Thank you. I feel like I come from the United Nations. <laughs> my biological parents, um, my father was Puerto Rican, born and raised, uh, came here in his early 20s and was very much puerto rican till the day he died he, he never really acclimated to the american culture although he did speak english and things like that my biological mother was born in the dominican republic but her father my grandfather was puerto rican and her mother if i am correct was uh, part haitian and dominican so it's a lot of culture there And then later on in life, I was adopted and my my adoptive mother is from Ecuador. I identify as Afro-Latina and that's, you know, a conversation that we will expand on later on when Mm. we talk about culture, like we said, but people don't necessarily always accept that. People can be from a specific culture and identify in a certain way, Mm -hmm. um, simply because either your skin is too light or your skin is too dark or your hair is too thick or not thick enough, whatever the case is. But that's that's pretty much my background. So I was born and raised here, but I did live in uh, Puerto Rico for quite some time in my youth, which is why I retained the language so well. I am Mm. a native speaker.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I'll go next. Also, when you said the United Nations, it reminded me of a really funny story. Um, (laughs) When I was a child, my mother had five sisters. She's from South Korea. Mm. And each of the five sisters married a very different kind of man. (laughs) And so that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, my one aunt, the oldest aunt, married a Korean man, but never came to the United States and didn't have children. Mm. Um, another aunt married an Irishman and eventually settled in Florida. Another aunt married a very, very black man. I love Uncle Jesse, God rest his soul, from Mississippi. And mm. they settled here in New Jersey. My mother married my father, who his lineage was his father was an american who was native american indian cherokee and also african-american so Mm -hmm. he was that blend and he met my grandmother in germany and they got married and then brought their family which is my father back here to the state so my father emigrated here as a 12 year old um, after the war was over and met my mother in high school um, outside of Fort Dix, so they met at Pemberton High, went to the prom together, and he, and then came me. So my grandmother was German and also French. There was a rumor in the German side of the family that somebody was having some sort of relationship with a Jewish person, but none of that was ever. Born fruit. It was always just kind of a rumor. So you never know. (laughs) Um, I have been mistaken for Hawaiian, Hispanic, Mm -hmm. Philippine. I have been mistaken for a lot of things other than what I what I am, which is, you know, I am the blend of many different cultures, for which I'm grateful. Because Mm -hmm. growing up, when the sisters would come together, they would bring all of their children, which you can imagine they were every shade. Yes, left to the right. I love that. That's yeah. how my children are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I grew up thinking <laughs> that that was normal yes. for a large part of my life. That it was normal for people to not look the same and still love each other. But it is normal. It, well, it is normal, right? And then, you know, I, it wasn't until my 30s, you know, that I started realizing that not really everybody feels that way. Right. Mm-hmm. But when we used to go out, of course, the mothers would get together at one of the aunt's house and all the children would be there. And of course, some of my cousins were older and they would take us to Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking through Six Flags and my older cousins, who looked very different from each other, they were laughing because they understood that we were, our group was getting a lot of stares, people couldn't kind of figure that out. And they were laughing. And I remember one of them said, It's because we're the United Nations. And (laughs) at that time I didn't I didn't know what the United Nations was. So I'm tugging on his shirt and I was like, what's the United Nations? Yeah. You know, and of course he's like, you know, don't stop bothering me. Um but when you said that that resonated with me. I felt like I connected with that with you. Yeah.
0: That's wonderful. I mean like I don't think that we really realize how mixed our cultures are because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know my, my biological mom passed so there were many questions uh, unanswered for me um, and when I did my ancestry test uh, several years ago I came to understand that uh, I was actually 37% African so a combination of Nigerian Ghanaian parts of Africa um, and I was like that makes total sense so
1: yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I was named after my grandmother's favorite aunt, who was oh. from France. Mm. And when my mother was in the hospital, my grandmother begged her, please, mm. please, you know, name her after my
2: favorite aunt. Oh, that's sweet. Mm. Yeah, that's my thing. So how about you, Zenobia? You know, it's re- it's different for uh, African-Americans, I think, than for most, because we don't really have a good understanding of where we came from mm-hmm. before we ended up here. So it's so wonderful that mm-hmm. the internet is here now and there's so many questions about what we were told, about who we were. My father was a very um, we would call him like a mulatto looking kind of guy. Mm-hmm. They would always say that he was Creole. So I was told because his parent, his father well, came from around Mississippi, Louisiana, that they were Creole and <laughs> that my mother was um, East Indian and Blackfoot Indian and so that's what I thought that I that I was until I did my ancestry DNA my mother did her ancestry DNA that she came up 97% African and I'm like but I thought you said you were Indian you know East Indian now I'm finding out that there is this idea that Black people were here before Columbus because of the Moors And that they were the Native Americans or the Indians that were here when Columbus came. So my mother's family may have actually been Native American, Blackfoot Indian, but it wouldn't show up on an ancestry report because it would show up as her African heritage turns out from my father I inherited 37% Middle Eastern background Turkish Levantine. I guess that's how you pronounce it it's so interesting because I love that culture and so Mm -hmm. um, I wish he had to live long enough to know that about himself Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious about where that came from and just how that became But I think that knowing, you know, I learned about my Nigerian background and that my mother said she grew up in, they migrated from Georgia to Florida and she grew up in Igbo city in Tampa, Florida. And I was told by a Nigerian person, a Nigerian friend, that Igbo, the Igbo tribe were the original Jews. So. Someone Ooh. said they feel uncomfortable with saying original, right? Because we don't really know. But it's just interesting the little tidbits of information that you can get or that I didn't have about myself. What was propagated to me about being African? And I was just talking to someone about this. And I love the space to be able to talk about this and to be able to talk with people who are listening, even to like start to have a conversation mm-hmm. about being told that, you know, my history's pretty much started when the Europeans conquered Africa mm-hmm. and that we were uncivilized people. Right. And that we oh, we got here because we were, you know, brought here as laborers because we were running around naked, you know, with the baboons over in Africa. And someone said we were doctors and lawyers. We had a civilization over there. Mm-hmm. We were you know, dentists and wives and homemakers and mothers. And I love that we've come to a place in our development that we're starting to learn the truth. Yeah. And so it's exciting. It was beautiful. Thank you, Zenobia. Yeah,
0: there's, I I wish that my curiosity would have led me to ask my biological mother more questions about our background because there's so many questions I have you Mm -hmm. know like you Sonobia you're like thinking you're a Cherokee Indian and this that and the third and then this comes up and you're like wait a minute what and (laughs) and that's the same thing that happened to me and I had this absolutely amazing opportunity to visit Ghana for the first time this year Mm -hmm. and I gotta tell you when I landed I cried Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was home. Mm -hmm. I felt this overwhelming energy and it was like, I felt like I was where I belonged. Yeah. I don't know what that was all about. but I felt that way. And the same thing happened back together. Yes. And the same thing, ironically, the same thing happened to me when I landed in Spain.
1: Wow. Isn't that interesting?
0: Yes. Because I I have a, I don't know, like 20% of me, 25% of me is Spanish and another 15% is Portuguese. So, you know, I was just like, "Whoa, this is, this is nuts. You
1: know, and, and also, you know, speaking to the, you know, how you, you, like you resonated with those geographic areas that are correlated to your own genetic history you know the information that dna structure from those individuals that are now a part of your own dna structure Mm -hmm. there's a remembrance there's a there's a an unknowing of the Mm -hmm. body at that i feel like at that cellular level like Mm -hmm. yes i know this place Mm
0: -hmm. See, this is why I bought into your craziness, Miss Quantum (laughs) Physics. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is why I bought into that because a part of me, like, you can't deny when you feel something, right? Because it literally, like, you can feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I went to the Dominican Republic many years ago as an adult because I hadn't been there since I was a little kid. I went when I was a child, you know, a couple of times and I had very vague memories of the times that I went with my mother and funny enough, when I went as an adult and my mom had already passed at that point, I remember walking through a certain area. It was uh, like a kind of like a downtown area of Santo Domingo. And I remember I was walking down just minding my own business, looking around shopping. Cause that's my favorite thing to do, of course. And sure enough, I, I turned to the corner and it was like, I felt like something had spoken to me. Mm-hmm. Like I had been there before. Yes, I didn't know where I was, to be honest with you, because, you know, I I didn't really know the area that well. But something inside of me felt familiar. Mm -hmm. And that's the same feeling I got when I landed in Spain for the first time, because I did a study abroad program Mm -hmm. when I was doing my bachelor's, my undergrad. I went to Spain and I, you know, I went to study further the Spanish language because at the time I was going to become a Spanish teacher. Unbeknownst to me, that was the worst job I ever had. But... (laughs) Although I think teachers are heroes, I just wasn't one of them, and so essentially, I could understand that something something connects you, something that whatever that is. Like I, I like to consider that God. To me, it's God that connects you to everything—from connection to people, connection to uh, nature, connection to life—just connection all across the board. So, yeah, it, it was an experience that I'll never forget. And so going to Ghana, it was like, "You did it, girl. You came mm-hmm. home. I was like, I checked the box."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was pretty cool. But like I always say, energy never lies. And when you feel that energy moving in your body, there's it's really not to be denied. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that that's how our society, when I I'm, our society, I'm talking about the Western, Um, approach to living and being has really moved away from that Mm -hmm. that not trusting of the self not trusting what we're feeling in our bodies you know not trusting what we're knowing in our hearts Mm -hmm. you know that heart coherence yeah you know i think that's so true though michelle i think people
0: literally somewhere along the lines just lost the ability to trust what they Mm. felt to be true I have always experienced that working with the Latino culture, primarily in like mental health, I can never come to them from an angle of psychology. I always have to come from an angle of psychoeducation and like medical information. So in in Spanish, the, the word counselor, right, like licensed professional counselor does not translate to what it really is. You know, they only understand psychology and medicine. That's it. That's just how it's viewed. And so essentially, I I have found myself many times. Well, first of all, they all call me doctor. Thankfully, I I have a doctoral degree, (laughs) so I fulfill the title. Mm -hmm. But even before I had my doctoral degree, they would call me doctor all the time because they would not trust me if I wasn't giving some kind of medical advice. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost like when I would bring up the possibility of whatever you're feeling is actually true, like there's a there's yeah. some truth behind it, then they would look at me like, huh? And so then I would have to shift and go back to a medical lens for them to say, oh, okay, I understand. And now I'll take your considerations,
2: doctor. There's this lost ability to just trust that what you're feeling is accurate. So the, the one thing that I love, there are some questions I have about some of the theorists because they did they based a lot of their studies on a certain cohort of people right but maslow his hierarchy of needs has Mm -hmm. turned out to be for me i've seen it in action so when you say that you know the people that you work with who are latino are uh, have been unable to kind of connect with this idea of you know their internal guide you know when he talks about food clothing and shelter being the first ring and the second ring safety and belonging and then you keep moving up as you get you can't get to the fourth ring or the the last ring which is self-actualization until you meet the milestones of the other ring and so for people of color african americans is what i typically work with but i've also seen it with other cultures is we've been so busy just trying to survive mm-hmm. that, that part of our our self has been turned off yeah so that's why i like to talk a lot with the younger generation meaning the younger generation our generation about what happened with our parents when when we talk a little bit more about transgenerational trauma, because if they were focused on food, clothing and shelter, yeah. you know, a lot of them were just coming up from the south were from overseas you know they lived in poverty before mm-hmm. this they were just trying to get stable jobs and give their children right housing. absolutely we yeah. can start to think about that but we yes. can't judge our parents generation for no. not being able to do that because they didn't have the stability that they were able to provide for us exactly
0: right so how do you even become a person that can listen to the inside voice when you're just trying to yeah, stay alive. Yes, essentially, that's what yeah. that is. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. and and for the Latino culture, right, uh, which is like you know, I, I can see how it's like. Well, if the doctor said that this is what yes. I need to do, then I'm going to do it because I don't have that inner voice that yes. can
2: tell me, "Hey, you know, this is what's going on with you." But it's very fortunate for that culture to have been able to be in their own land and to be have doctors that they can trust because here. African-Americans don't trust the medical community. So we don't talk about psychoeducation and medicine. We talk about psychoeducation and spirituality because the medical community has done um, the Tuskegee experiment and they did Henrietta Lacks and they did all kinds of things to us that causes us not to really care for medicine. Well, Zenobia, I do have
0: to say that um, when I talk about like the Latino culture trusts medical doctors. It's not all medical doctors, because we've also been experimented on awfully. You know, actually, it wasn't an experiment. It was a straight target to sterilize Puerto Rican women so that they could stop procreating. That is a very well-known fact. Not everybody likes to talk about it. And then there were other many things that that were done medically to tame the population, if not wipe it out. And that's not the first time it happened because lord knows that the intent was to commit genocide on all of the original natives of the caribbean islands which were taino indians Mm -hmm. so it was like okay let's get rid of all the men Mm -hmm. and just keep the women so they can be either slaves or toys Mm -hmm. that's the only way i can really say that without being like graphic and essentially all the males were killed so what was left were the women. And I don't know, like, I remember after I did my ancestry test, I found, like, out a lot of information about Taino Indians. And the fact is, did you know that women are the only one that carry the Taino Indian traits? So if I have a son, he'll, he'll he's less likely to inherit Taino Indian traits than my daughters would be.
2: Mm, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't know the specific scientifics of it because I am not a scientist, nor do I work in DNA. But I read the research and that was kind of disheartening. And my husband had like this big, you know, issue with it. He wouldn't stop talking about it for months and months. And he was like, you're more taino than me because I'm a male. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) We don't like Puerto Ricans. Primarily, I know for a fact, don't trust medical doctors, especially white um, uh, medical doctors that much because so much was done to people, You know, uh, experiments and, you know, trying to sterilize and all kinds of other things. I mean, they would bomb the smaller islands in Puerto Rico to test different types of weapons and things. And it, it really hurt the people of the islands because, you know, kids were born being born sick. People were dying of funky stuff in the air. They couldn't breathe. I mean, just all kinds of stuff.
2: I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So we share
0: quite a few dynamics that are not so great, Um, you know, from the African-American communities to the Latino communities. At the end of the day, nobody wants to compare anyway, because this is horrific stuff, like, you know. But I, I think that ultimately uh, there's a lot of dynamics that Latino culture shares with African-American cultures.
2: I look forward to
1: getting to know more about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reminded of something that Zenobia said in the in the beginning of this particular segment. And I feel like then the challenge becomes for, again, the healers, you know, to really become present and compassionate first for ourselves, of course, because you can't give anything that you don't have for yourself. Right. Then to, you know, move with that intention of wanting to, Help people learn how to not only trust their inner compass, but then Zenobia, what you were saying earlier on how to move into that empowered individual that's now actually creating the paradigm of their life through their evolved perspectives of their self and the world, you know, and and having discussions on what happened in the past, you know, and then talking about what is the story what is the story today and and how does that mean that it's being translated into people's individual stories i'm a really big um advocate of unity consciousness you know the idea that everything in the universe and everything in existence is love And was created from love. That there's there's one consciousness that is the love source. That our journey as a race, and I, when I say as a race, I'm talking about the human race, is for all of us to be able to kind of circle back and come into that unified field of love together. Yeah, you know. And I'm I'm just really hopeful that some of the discussions that we can have can acknowledge. What happened in the past that led people to this place? And now what can we do, you know, to move forward so that we all can move into that unified place of love together?
0: I think you so eloquently defined our purpose.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to say though, I'm starting to question some of that. I'm not really sure that I used to think it was all love, but when I see the evidence that there are other forces than love in this
1: world I definitely agree with that so I understand exactly what you're saying we live in an environment we're on a planet that has different seasons it has different times of the day and it has a whole range of different energies mm-hmm. we have ab- abject depression and then we have bliss and joy and contentment and the entire range of emotions mm-hmm. in between, you know, and we all experience those things and, you know, really understanding that everything really is just energy. Mm-hmm. We're in the age of disclosure. Now the government is now disclosing a lot of the things that they had kept secret. You yeah. Know, I've and- seen that recently. with you,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't hear you Wanda.
0: I said, that gives her kudos because, oh. you know, I'm always on her about her little <laughs> UFO
1: stuff. And I'm like, isn't that crazy? <laughs> They're acknowledging levels of knowledge now that have been hidden from us for yes. 70 years. Yes, And emotions are energy. So to what you were saying, Zenobia, everything is energy, right? And the science has broken it down to a very simplified format of everything is really light particles and sound waves in motion and the differential is is the speed at which those things are moving obviously the slower the denser we have matter the faster the moving you know we have the more the light fields right so so the you know i'm looking forward to the podcast where we have that conversation now understanding that there are different energies there is one that tops all of them there is one energy, energy that is the most powerful energy in all creation and that is love yes it sure is the undeniable truth is that love is still the most powerful energy. it sure is and a that's good. the definition of and that God. that's the energy that we as a race again the human race can decide to move back towards together and i mm. feel like platforms like this that are being offered um, to everyone, you know, is is a way to do that. So I, I'm just sitting here really grateful still just to be here with you guys. I'm really excited for what's going to happen. We're, we've never done this before together. We, we have now stepped into the unknown. Where yeah. an entire field of potentialities is going to be created, and we're going sailing into this unknown of healing with intention and love together. So I'm incredibly excited because we have no idea what's going to happen next week, next month from this, but it's it's going to be amazing. So
2: I feel yeah. sure it
1: is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well,
2: it's been wonderful sitting with you guys talking about these topics. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear more about your thoughts on some of them.
1: Yeah, and f- and just full disclosure and warning for everybody who's who's looking at this podcast where very strong personalities (laughs) we are unapologetically who we are yes we are each different but also very accepting of all of our differences which means it's going to get a little saucy at times (laughs) and it's going to get a little sassy at times
0: yes Um, i'm very calm and collected
1: ah, yes of course and so (laughs) so i just want to you know for the purposes of our initial audience you know let let the games begin. Oh, I love it, And I think that everyone's really going to kind of enjoy the ride as we explore and delve into these issues together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, ladies. All right. It has been lovely.
1: Absolutely. And until we see everyone again, of course, I would love everyone to have the most magically wonderful, wonderful week, month, day. I am sending
0: love and light to everybody. And I always end by saying, be
1: well, everybody. I love it. Yay. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Adios.